Life moves at a remarkable pace, doesn't it? Obviously, you're well aware of that. It zips right along. And with new technological advances, the pace only gets faster. So you reach the point when you realize, well, maybe it's just getting out of hand. Maybe it's moving too fast for me. Maybe it's beginning to be a real problem. And so we've devoted an entire month to the problem, carving out some time to figure out how to use the rest of our time. And where do we look for answers? I think it is significant that we do not run to the latest time management guru, nor to the latest self-help book or motivational speaker. We certainly don't seek help from the technological innovators, the professional schedulers or experienced pop psychologists. No, we look for help for the problems of the hurried life from a source about 2,000 years old, a source that wasn't even intended to help people solve time management issues. We look to a letter written by a missionary to one of his favorite churches. We look to Paul's letter to the Philippians. And it's worth noting that Paul did not write this letter because the Philippians were feeling stressed and hurried and needed some help. This was not the purpose of this letter, but that doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that this letter has more valuable insight and practical guidance for your life and your life schedule than any other source available to you. Because ultimately this letter comes from God and is addressed to you. So listen to this letter and your life will change for the better. What we read here is quite simply God's plan for the way that people, especially Christian people, are supposed to live. And whether this letter is two years or 2,000 years old makes no difference at all because God's words are true for all people in all places at all times. They are true, absolutely true for you. And we're going to zero in on chapter 2. So you might want to get your Bible and read chapter 2 because Paul's got a lot to teach you. Now, some of you may or may not be particularly fond of cute or corny little Christian sayings or proverbs, but I have to admit, sometimes they get it right, and this one is no exception. Joy. Yep, three letters of joy, we were told, should stand for Jesus, others, yourself. And according to the standard one-minute devotion, the ticket to real joy was to practice the priorities of the acronym. Jesus first, other second, yourself last. It's actually pretty good advice, and it gets at what Paul is teaching us in our text. Jesus, others, yourself. It's not an emotion. It's a lifestyle. What does it mean to put Jesus first? Well, of course, he gets your first love, your top devotion, all of your worship. But practically, what's this look like? What does it mean for Jesus to be first? And it's pretty simple. Putting Jesus first just means doing what he wants you to be doing. And what Jesus wants you to be doing 
is to be paying attention to other people and their needs and their agenda more than you pay attention to yourself and your needs and your agenda. That's what Jesus wants from you. And that is what Paul spells out undeniably clear. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In other words, treat all other people as if they were more important than you. Own the agenda and desires of other people and seek to fulfill them more than you seek to fulfill your own. That's what this really means. That's what Paul says the Christian life is all about. That's how Jesus is telling you he wants you to live. I mean, it's pretty radical, isn't it? I mean, if a person got serious about actually putting this into practice, it'd be absolutely life-changing. In fact, Paul's counsel demands so great a change, so radical a shift, that very few Christians actually take his word seriously. It's, it's a hyperbole. It's an overstatement. One of those impossible statements the Bible makes, you know, like, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, forgive your brother 70 times 7. Paul can't mean it. He can't be serious. He can't actually expect me to just drop my schedule and start worrying about everyone else's. He can't expect me to think of everyone else as more important than me. What will that do to my self-esteem? But Paul meant what he said. It's no exaggeration. The whole chapter screams the message. Everyone else and their needs, their agendas, their priorities, then you. And please don't think that this is just for super-Christians or the, the really devoted ones. There's no such thing as super-Christians. Every follower of Jesus is expected to be an all-out follower, even you. It was Jesus who said, deny yourself. There it is again. Pick up your cross and follow me. Now, if you take this admonition seriously, you're going to be a busy, busy person, aren't you? You're going to be throwing yourself into the task of helping those around you, opening your eyes and seeing them, paying attention to what matters to them, trying to help them achieve what they've got to do. That's the way that God wants Christians to live. You're supposed to be busy, busy with the priorities and the needs of others. Busy is not a sin. Being busy is not an evil to be avoided. Being busy, busy with serving those close to you, that's what Christians do. And if it's starting to sink in, then I have a good idea what you're thinking. Come on, Pastor, this is hard. I mean, really, really hard. To live with such an absolute thoroughgoing focus on everyone else goes against just about everything you're being taught in the world out there. It contradicts everything that the world tells you. Look out for number one. Love yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, then who will? That's the world's standard counsel, and your own soul resonates with that message. It sounds pretty good. It feels right. Take care of yourself, and then take care of those around you. 
It's even what the flight attendant tells you to do in, a, in an unlikely event of loss of cabin pressure. Well, we're not on an airplane. To follow Paul's counsel is to violate common sense and to risk your own security. It is to contradict what your own heart tells you. Because your heart screams, Hey, not so fast. What about me? Who's going to take care of me and my needs and my agenda? Hearts always do that. It can be rather embarrassing and it's tough to admit it, but you know it's true. Human hearts are hopelessly, addictively self-centered. And if you don't think so, you've got to take it up with Jesus. Matthew fifteen nineteen, Jesus said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. You know, Luther described the heart by saying that it's curved in on itself. That's a rather accurate and chilling description. To be curved in on yourself is to be full of yourself, preoccupied with yourself, obsessed with your chosen priorities, consumed with your self-designed agenda, committed to your personal schedule, curved in on yourself. And it's a sin and it's a problem we all have. You didn't come here this morning to hear this, did you? Mm -mm. You didn't come here to hear about how self-centered and how self-obsessed you really are. You came today looking for help for your hurried life. You came looking for God's answer to the hurried life. But the only thing you've gotten so far is a guilt trip. Hold on, that's okay, because when you're there feeling guilty, you're on the verge of the answer. The critical thing necessary for you to escape a frenzied, hurried, harried, and out-of-control life is right on the other side of the conviction and guilt. It's the Word of God that comes to you through the incredible work of Jesus Christ. It's the Word that says, I know you, I know your self-absorption. I know your sin of being curved in on yourself. I know your failure to put others ahead of you. I know your inability to put me first. I know the mess that your life is in. I know it all. And I love you still. I forgive you. Know that I am with you and I will bless you because you are mine. You will be with me forever. I will never, ever change my mind about you. I am your father forever. You are my child always. Yeah. God's love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that about God's word. It convicts, but it, it doesn't condemn his children, does it? And this is what God has to say to us all this morning. That's his answer to the problem of your hurried and hassled life. It's his forgiveness and grace. That's, that's always the answer. His forgiveness and grace. Because in the midst of your hurried life, you need God's grace. So how in the world is that answer relevant to the very practical problems of your busy Monday to Saturday life? It's simple and it's profound. When you know where you stand with God, righteous and forgiven, 
When you know where you will spend eternity in heaven and paradise with him, when you know where you fit into his beautiful universal plan, when you know that he is more concerned about your life than even you are, then everything else pales and fades into appropriate insignificance. What does your daily schedule matter in the light of all eternity? Don't let a simple to-do list get you down. You're God's own child. You go from guilty to joy because of the grace of God. God doesn't give you another and better to-do list. He gives you his grace. So now that you know where you stand and will always stand with God, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? That's simple too. Since God has taken care of the big things, you and your fundamental needs. All your needs are taken care of. You sit right, absolutely right, forgiven and free, and you've got eternal, eternal life waiting for you. All your needs are taken care of in Christ Jesus. That means then you've got an enormous amount of free time for taking care of all those people around you. You've got plenty of available hours days and years that you can devote to meeting their needs and doing their agendas, which means, of course, that those hours, days, and years are going to be very full. Indeed, it is quite likely that as you give yourself and your time to the task of serving those around you, you're going to be busy. And that's perfectly fine. Remember, being busy is not a sin. Being busy only with your own things, that's a sin. Having a full life, that's not a bad thing. Being full of yourself, that's a very bad thing. God does not save you from busyness. God saves you from the sin of being curved in on yourself. He forgives you and then he turns you loose to get busy with the life you have left. Busy with doing his will. Busy with caring for all those around you. And life is a gift, people. It is a blessing from God to be privileged to care for others and to be busy with their things. To experience some stress with your busy life of service, not a bad thing either. Stress is simply the reality of living with limited resources in a world of people with seemingly unlimited needs. Now think about that. To be alive is to experience stress. Indeed, there is only one way to get rid of stress, and that day's coming soon enough when Jesus returns. Stress just means that you are still alive. But God's going to help you. He's got your back. So God gives you his forgiveness, then he gives you his he gives you his agenda, which is to care for others. And now you go out and you get busy, busy with the right stuff. You're busy finding out how best to serve those around you. And you do your nine-to-five job realizing that in your faithful labor, others benefit from your time and effort. It's God's work that you do. And you spend the time with your kids and their projects and their needs, and you help your neighbor with his or her problems, and you give your spouse the time and attention that they crave. You give yourself completely for the good of those around you. And after a long day of serving others, you curl up in the arms of your Heavenly Father and you thank Him for the privilege of living another day for Him and for others.
and you fall asleep in his arms. And after a busy week of living your life in service to others, you come to God's house at his invitation into his presence to receive his forgiveness, to get some much-needed encouragement and love, and as the Bible says, the refreshing of his Holy Spirit. And you go out again. That's what the Christian life looks like. You see those around you and you intervene and you serve those around you. Will you be busy? Yeah. Will you feel some stress? Yes. Will you get worn out? Maybe. But what a way to spend a life and what joy you will experience because even as you throw yourself into a life of busyness for others, you know God's grace and plan for you. So you have nothing to complain about, nothing to resent, nothing to regret because it's God's plan for you. Your life is being used up just the way it is supposed to be used. You're busy doing what God created you to do. And what could be better than that? Be grateful and get back to work. Now, of course, when it comes to serving others and meeting their needs, you see them with your grace-shaped eyes. You get a new attitude, the attitude that Jesus had. And you know that what they really need other people, even if they don't know it, is to have what you have. They also need God's grace and forgiveness. They also need a new outlook on life and a new attitude, the attitude of Christ Jesus, which will help them live for the sake of others. It's nice having other people to serve side by side with. They need to be saved from the sin of self-centeredness. Their, their needs to be they need their needs be released from self-absorption through the forgiveness of God. That's what the people around you need, and that's what you will work to give them. That's a good thing. So what do you do? Repent. Reject the life of being curved in on yourself. Start there. Cling to God's grace. It's yours now. Live in the reality of the peace and comfort that God provides right now. The rest of knowing his love. The peace of having his forgiveness. The comfort of knowing that your eternity is in the bag. You're God's forever. And with the reality firmly in your grasp, you can get busy. You don't have much time left for the work that needs to be done. There's a lot of work. Work faithfully, quickly, fearlessly while you still can. The time is short, the Bible says. Work while you can. Don't worry about resting. Focus on what you're being given to do today. Get busy with what God puts you here to do. And get your eyes off yourself and pay attention to those around you. Spend your life giving them what they really need. Grace, forgiveness, and hope. Do that and the hurried life will not be a problem. And God will supply your needs. Help for the hurried life is not about finding the magic time management bullet or writing new shorter to-do lists or even sticking a devotion at the front of your busy schedule. Help comes only in the grace of Jesus and grace that forgives you forever, grace that re reorientates your life forever. And now you've got that grace and you've got that life. Go out and enjoy it. In Jesus' name, he will give you the strength you need for each day. Trust him. Rely on him. 
Amen. Lord God, forgive us again for living lives that are curved in on ourselves. Give us grace and give us new eyes to see others and their needs. Just like Jesus, you were able to see the needs of others. Then give us the strength and wisdom to put them and their needs ahead of ourselves and then live and declare that grace of Christ that transforms every life. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen.